0: Greetings, folks, and welcome to Mac Geek Gab. Our quick tip of the week comes from me. I was having all kinds of slowness in email and in mail on my Mac in the office, but nowhere else. And then I realized wait, it's not everywhere in mail, it's only my inbox. Every time I would file something, it would take like five seconds for it to reply or respond or, you know, like refresh the interface. And so I thought, I have it, I know what to do, and it worked. I went to the mailbox menu while my inbox was selected and chose rebuild. This sort of wipes out the local cache, redownloads everything from the IMAP server, and it made it so much better. So remember this mailbox rebuild that you select the mailbox first, the one you want to rebuild, the mailbox rebuild, it redownloads it from the IMAP server. More quick tips like this, plus your questions answered today on MacGeekF988 for Monday, June 26th, 2023. Ah! And indeed, greetings, folks. Welcome to the show. This is here at Mac Geek Gab. We take your quick tips like you just heard or my quick tips. Sometimes our quick tips. Uh, We take your cool stuff found that you send in. We take your questions that you send in. We answer the questions. We share the quick tips and cool stuff found. The goal is we put it all together into an agenda so that every single one of us learns at least five new things every single time we get together. Beat me. I I tried, Pete. You know, sponsors for this episode include Notion.com slash MacGeekGab, where you can go and try Notion projects for free. HelloFresh.com slash MGG16, where code MGG16 gets you 16 free meals and free shipping. And Collide at K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash mgg Zero Trust Security, tailor-made for Okta. We'll talk more in depth about how each of those works and why you're going to want to visit them and see if they work for you in a minute. For now, here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton.
1: And here on the other side of the planet from Hong Kong, anyhow, it's Pilot Pete. Hey, Pilot Pete. How you doing, man? Yeah, I'm doing well. And the comment about you beat me, we talk about timing and strange coincidence. Quinky dinkies. My son texted me just as you were talking about learning five new things. Yep. And so I got the tone in my ear, the ding, and I thought, oh, you hit the bell as you oh. talked about learning five new things. <laughs> I was
0: wondering what I beat you to.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you were beat. I was just about to press the bell button. Yeah. That one, and instead, I got the ding in my ear that my son had texted me, That's but I didn't. <laughs> awesome. So, you know, misunderstandings in life. Yes. Uh, sometimes they're funny. Sometimes yes. they're tragic.
0: <laughs> you need a podcasting focus mode, Pete.
1: So. Yeah. I have one. Maybe yeah. I should turn it on and use it.
0: That might not be a bad idea. <laughs> I, um, I have, you know, my life is all about litmus tests and, and here we are in our first tangent here. I, the, um, the candle being lit here in my studio in, and today the candle is uh, pink sands from Yankee candle. Um, uh, but the candle being lit reminds me or tells me that I went through my pre-flight checklist cause it's on the list and I don't Light the candle until I get to that point in the list. So I know I've gone through our pre-flight checklist for the show. Chances are everything's going to be okay. Uh, my favorite litmus test like that uh, story is, of course, about the band Van Halen. You've probably heard that they used they, – they were uh, in their dressing room. Uh, brown M&Ms were to be removed from the candy bowls in uh, that was uh, written out in their writer. That was not just because they were prima donnas. It was probably in part because they were prima donnas. But the uh, the the real reason was they were doing a fairly complex stage show, which could be dangerous if things weren't built to spec. And the specs were also in that rider. And so they knew if the brown M&Ms had been removed, somebody read the rider and paid attention to the specs and the stage was going to be okay. If the brown M&Ms were in the candy bowl. They knew they had to go and check everything when they got there. So the candle's lit. Everything's good, folks. And we can go to uh, Mark's quick tip, which is uh, he says restaurants are still using QR codes for men menus. Often it's a pain chasing the little yellow box under the QR code in the iPhone's camera. There's a trick to make the scan happen in one step. First, you open settings on your iPhone. You scroll down to command center. Scroll down to code scanner and use the green plus to add it to your iPhone's control center. Now, no matter what you're doing, you can swipe down from the top right to pull up the command center on your phone and then tap the QR code box and an icon, which opens up the code scanner, the code reader, uh, and it jumps to whatever it reads. There's no chasing it around because it's not just happening inside the camera. It is literally happening in a bespoke code scanner app. That is on your iPhone. There are multiple ways of pulling this up. Mark is correct that uh, adding it to, you know, uh, control center. I think I said command center when I was reading, but I meant control center. My apologies. So you can add it to control center and then it's there when you swipe down from the the upper right. You can also simply search for code scanner in spotlight on your phone. And that also does it. Yep. It shows right up little code scanner. And then uh, somebody in our, our Discord shared, I think it might have even been Mark, shared. He did. Mark shared a, uh, a shortcut to do this as well. And so uh, I've put a link to the shortcut here in the show notes for you at uh or MGG.FM slash 988. As you can always get to any episode you want, including, if you must, episode one. that's on you if you choose to listen to episode (laughs) one it's uh
1: entertainment value alone dave
0: well it's something there's value
1: sure (laughs) sure yeah sure all right uh you want to take it wouldn't be this good now if it wasn't you know that's growing pains
0: and steps absolutely yeah no you gotta start somewhere and and i that that is good advice like with anything in life you if you wait until you're ready you will never start
1: Bingo. Exactly right. Yeah.
0: All right, Pete, speaking of, you want to share Tig's quick tip?
1: I I do. Um, I just am angry that I didn't think of it myself because I have two separate folders to do what he does in one. Whenever I buy a new item, Tig writes, I get a PDF of the manual, parse if available, and then save them to my books app. There I open the manual and combine it with the parts and also attach a PDF of my receipt at the end from where I bought them, but where I bought the item. That way I have access to all my manuals, devices, and receipts if we ever need warranty repair. Oh. Like I say, I I had a I have a manuals folder and I have a receipts folder, but good luck find what a brilliant idea to put them in books and put the receipt with the manual for the item you bought.
0: Yeah, I I Just, I, I love this idea, by the way. I of course it's I great. now I'm analyzing it why books and not notes? It seems like notes might be a, uh, another, I don't know if it's better or worse. That's what I'm trying to sort of sort out. I'm as going to, gonna,
1: this. I'm going to conject, <laughs> that,
0: conject, that it was, conject yes, away.
1: <laughs> uh, I'm going to conject that he did this before notes was off its backside in, in quality. Yeah. Um, that's know, fair. obviously it's gotten improved recently. So yes, yes, yeah. yes.
0: That, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause I, cause I would do, I like, I have, like you, uh, a user manuals folder that I, I store, but I ne- I've never yeah. stored the receipt. Like, what? that's brilliant.
1: Yeah. 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 And when I lose the user manual, I hope that you has have somebody fiddling with what oh. I need to do to restring the weed whacker. It, it <laughs> is so
0: much easier to store the user manual for a product the day that you bought it. Because you can go to the manufacturer, yes. you download their PDF. But they go away over time. Yeah. They, they yeah. shouldn't, but they do with, with a lot of manufacturers, not everybody. But yeah, storing those user manuals somewhere has saved my butt so many times. And and I will tell you why I created a user manuals folder to store things in. It was because I needed a user manual that I could not find, like not easily find. I probably spent an hour scouring the Internet for someone who had the PDF that wasn't behind some you know BS paywall or whatever. And uh, finally I got it and it was like, all right, I'm not doing this again. I'm putting it in the folder. And was like, wait a minute. (laughs) Ding, ding, ding. I have an idea.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I can put
0: them all in there. I can put them all in there. Yeah. We're putting it
1: in books and then putting the receipt with it. Brilliant. I like it. Well well played, sir.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's good. That's good. All right. Listener Jim brings us to our next quick tip. He shares, Uh, he says, Maybe everyone knows this. No, not everybody. That's that's why we do what we do. That's the beauty of the quick tip. If you think everybody knows this, that's, that's what makes it a quick tip. Uh, He says, but I navigated away uh, from a Microsoft teams meeting and the shared screen that was being shared in the teams meeting moved into picture and picture mode, taking up the full width of half of my screen. So half the width of my screen and covering the thing that I needed to see when I was out of the meeting. He says. I know you can fling it around the screen and move it from corner to corner. He says, but instead I used my trackpad and pinched it, and the picture-in-picture picture screen shrunk to a postage stamp size in one corner. I already knew you can swipe it to the edge of a screen to put it in a drawer with an arrow handle, uh, but I wanted to share this. Yeah, and. The other thing is, and I don't have anything in picture-in-picture on my Mac, so I, like I'm going to misremember this because I do it differently each time. It's either the command key or the option key. When you have picture-in-picture on the Mac, you can fling it to any corner you want. You can also, with either the command or the option key down, move it to exactly where you want. So it doesn't have to be a corner. It can just be you know anywhere on the edge and it and you gotta you gotta hold down the option key or the command key when you're doing it i i want to say command and i like to me command is i am telling you something listen to me computer and and apple has mostly followed that paradigm so i think it is command but it i might be wrong on that so just fyi so so there you go yeah thank you for that thank you for that jim yeah i i really wish Streamyard would put um, our video picture and picture because I would like to have our video floating on the screen while I do the show, Pete. I might that'd be nice. I might send this as a uh,
1: yeah. Are you listening, Streamyard? As a yeah, as a <laughs> as a thing. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, PC Unix in our Discord has a, uh, a, a a tip, quick tip for us. That's why we're here. Uh, it says I long pressed on a photo in one of the medium articles I was reading. And up popped the option to show the text in the photo. That's pretty cool, he says. Although the long press is a little funky and erratic. Knowing that you can do this helps. Uh, so, yeah, he's right. If you've got a – this you know, kind of works universally across uh, iOS on the iPhone and iPadOS on the iPad is, is – yeah, you just long press on the picture and boom, up comes – the little thing where you can share, save to photos, copy, or show the text, and then it will just show you the yeah. text. So, yeah. And for, for that.
1: people that don't easy. remember, photos now will find texts, text within your photos. Yes. that happened to me this week. Um, you may remember, Dave, I sent you a picture of an airplane shadowing on a cloud, and around that shadow was the rainbow, the complete, but not just the bow, the entire circle around it. That's yeah. the that's the phenomenon and the phenomenon is called a glory. And I was searching through my photos and I searched for the word glory and I, instead of doing, because I thought, well, I would have tagged it with that, but I right. forgot it was only tagged with aviation, but it found a headstone from Disney World's haunted mansion. You know, here, here, oh. rise, here lies Walt Bender who rode to glory on a fender. What? <laughs> yes, it found that photo by the word searching for glory in photos. So you can find all kinds, all manner of things. Uh, if you know that there's something written in, uh, on a sign in the photo you're looking for.
0: That's amazing. For oh, that's I love it that. Really, I mean, I, I've seen it happen, but it, like finding yeah. it that way. Yeah,
1: man. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know. And now I've mentioned it. I may be worth sharing that photo in in show notes. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you can do that or not.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, you know what? Put it in the uh, – we've created a, a separate oh, let me Discord f- yeah. Uh, yeah. On, in our Discord group, which you can get to at com slash Discord. All are welcome. It is a fantastic place to be. Uh, we've created in the live chat, we've we've created a, a thread for each episode so that if you want to come back and see what was being discussed by everyone who was here live when we were recording, you can see that. So Pete uh, can pop that in there For sure. Yeah. I'll share the next tip while Pete's doing that. Porthos John shares for us a fantastic piece of advice, which is install manually install Rosetta 2 on every Mac you set up. He says, I found this out because our deploy solution at work auto installs some printer drivers as soon as a new machine is deployed. By default, Apple will always require user intervention to install Rosetta 2. And many times it won't go back to the original install. So the quick tip is, when you get a new Apple Silicon machine, install Rosetta 2 before anything else. You can't do it from the GUI, but there's a quick terminal command, and it, it uses the software update terminal command. It's in the show notes at mgg.fm slash 988. I'm not going to read it here. Uh, and uh, and then, it, you know, then you've got it. I've run into this when I've used Migration Assistant to migrate to uh you know it an apple silicon machine it could be from an another apple silicon machine or it could be from uh you know an intel machine or whatever but invariably there's going to be an app out there that needs rosetta 2 and it's best if you just have it installed because you won't know i've i've done migration assistant and you know launched you know reboot the machine and it's like ready to go it's like how come Three things aren't running. What's going on? And then I realize, oh, I need to install Rosetta too.
1: So Rosetta is for Rosetta Stone for translating languages. Right. This, right. This is so. This is a translator for lack of a better understanding.
0: Yeah, it's it. It lets you run Intel apps on Apple Silicon. It is the magic that that sits there. Rosetta. Let you run oh, PowerPC apps on Intel. Rosetta 2 okay. lets you run Intel apps on Apple Silicon. So,
1: Apple, you got to quit switching. I don't know. It seems to work switching. out for us. Pete. Although, I, I, I do. Yeah. I do yeah, like not, these not, chips. I don't want them so to So much better than Intel. Yeah. Yeah. If <laughs> the next. Amazing machines.
0: If the next chip switch, whenever Apple chooses to do that, is as helpful and remarkable as the switch to Apple Silicon, I want it to happen.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. The next one is quantum computing from Apple.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Right. 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 So, yeah, it's uh, so this is a great tip. I I love this just to make sure you've got it. And then, you know, all is is uh, good to go.
1: I wonder how many apps I threw away when I switched over to the M1. It just never occurred to me to go and look for Rosetta.
0: Well, it it should.
1: your, Your app developer needs to update this. Well, that's the thing. Right. And if they don't update it for the M1.
0: Yeah, but they don't have to with Rosetta 2. That's the beauty. Is it right, just, That's my point, and it never occurred runs. to me to
1: put it on Rosetta. I said, I wonder how many apps I got rid of, and just, well, it oh, doesn't work anymore. I in, don't know.
0: In theory, the, the first time you launch an app that needs it, the system will ask you if you want to install it. The problem oh. comes from okay. the the, like, migration installs. Sometimes yeah. you miss that step. It happens, but you don't see it. Or like okay. Porthos John described... You've got some scripted installation. Again, you're not there. You don't see it. You don't. You can't agree, and so it doesn't happen. Yeah. And then it doesn't ask you again. That's that's where the problem is. But yeah, if you were to set oh, up yeah. from scratch and do it all from the GUI and pay attention to everything, there would be that moment where you went to run something. And it would be like, "Hey, I need Rosetta Two for this. Are you okay with it?" And you say yes, and then you know, and then you're good to go. So, um, so yeah, it. it For most of us, it it is built to happen with user intervention, with user approval, but automatically. It just doesn't always work that way. So, yeah. yeah. Yep. All right. We got some. uh, I think Tim's might be a follow up tip or or certainly a. I thought we covered it, but maybe maybe we haven't. Uh, Tim's tip is he says. One of my Apple TVs is connected to a soundbar. I have the remote set up to adjust the volume via infrared in the remotes and devices settings. One day I found I couldn't adjust the volume. So naturally I thought I needed to reset it in the remotes and devices settings. I did that. No luck. Then I took the drastic step of resetting the Apple TV. No luck again. I don't know how I stumbled onto the eventual solution, but did you know that you can restart the Apple TV remote? For sure. Yeah, it's, uh, it says, uh, and, and there's an Apple support article that describes how to do it. I thought I had put the, the, it thought I'd put it in the notes, but I will, I will read it to us all here. Mm. So to restart your remote, you hold down the TV control center button and the volume down button at the same time. So you would have a hard time accidentally doing this. This requires two hands. So you hold down the T the button with the picture of the TV that brings you to the control center And uh, the volume down button for about five seconds or until the status light on your Apple TV turns off and on again. Then you release the buttons. Wait another five to ten seconds for a connection lost notification to appear on your TV screen. Wait while your remote restarts. And when the connected notification reappears or appears on your screen, then your remote has restarted and you're good to go. I don't know when the last time was I restarted my Apple TV remote, but uh, it's been a long time. And hopefully, yeah. yeah, it's interesting that these things have their own operating systems, and sometimes they
1: just need to be yeah. restarted. So thank the you for that. Batteries in those last a long time. Did I see you a thread that. somewhere about yeah. Qi charging on the on the new remotes? No, you
0: saw – I don't think they have Qi charging in them. Uh, no. You saw a thread that Apple has finally confirmed that they have uh, – they are Find My Capable and have always been Find My Capable – but we don't get to use that functionality until iOS 17 comes out.
1: Nice. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like, what the heck? Why? Why? I mean, why is that the holdback? Like, what
1: the heck? The what? good news is that will free up an AirTag that I have in a special case from from my Apple TV remote with the AirTag attached to it. So,
0: as as maybe maybe we need to be careful here. There was a moment in my uh you know the the, the period of time where Lisa and I were raising our kids. I mean, I I don't know if that's ended, but earlier in that period anyway, <laughs> uh, it, it, it's changed. That's all. That certainly happened. There you go. But um where like the kids noticed that we were watching like the second season of some TV show that Lisa and I had been watching it ourselves after they went to bed. We we had watched the first season together as a family. And my daughter, she was like, what you're watching that shows back. And you guys are watching it without us. And I was like, yep. And she said, what else are you hiding from us? And so (laughs) the thing was my answer to that question was, I will tell you everything I get to pick the order and I'm going to start with your conception. Do you want me to continue? And her answer was no, because she's smart. Uh, We raised, we raised a smart, smart human. Um, Apple's been hiding the find my functionality in the Apple TV remote from us. I don't know that we want to ask Apple. What else have you been hiding from us?
1: Very good point. <laughs> I don't know. Very good point. I don't oh, know.
0: Maybe man. we do. Yeah. 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 But like, well, the, 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 I think Apple hides some stuff from us <clears> that we don't want to know. They certainly hide stuff from us that they don't want us to know, but they also, absolutely. they also hide stuff from us that, that maybe we don't want to know. Maybe. And later
1: would... in the show, we got more about other big tech hiding creepy yeah, stuff. That's fair. Us. So yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in 986, I opened up the show with the the quick tip about dragging the iPhone camera shutter button and and doing uh, quick videos and that sort of thing from the camera, which is great. And if you haven't done that yet, I highly recommend it. It's it's awesome. Makes life super easy.
1: Um, it's just quickly for people that haven't heard please. it. You drag the camera shutter button up to the to, to the, the right two arrows that say you know switch from front camera to back camera, right?
0: Yes, you drag it to the right. And that
1: automatically starts video. Yep,
0: hold down the shutter and just drag it to the right. That starts video. Sorry for the interrupt. Nope, that's right. And if you drag it to the left, it does burst mode. So there you go. Yes. Um, Which was Adrian's tip. And so I jumped the gun on that one, but I have another tip for us too. Um, Corey reminds us that if you drag the camera shutter button, uh, you will get lower quality videos than you get with going to the video portion of the camera and selecting it. Uh, he said, so it's a great tip, but it's worth knowing that this is probably not the way you want to record videos in general. Um, because you're 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 not going to get like full, you know, 4K if you have it set for that or, or whatever. So
1: I wish I'd gone back and looked. I didn't look and see what resolution and frame rate it gives. But I, I, yeah, it's not giving you 4096 at 60 frames a second. So. Correct.
0: Correct. Yeah. yeah. That's why it's able to happen so quickly. Right. You know, yeah. you notice yeah. when you switch from camera to video mode, there's a there's a breath that your phone there's takes some
1: thinking going on. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Where it, it rejiggers <laughs> the cameras and all that stuff. So. Yeah. So thank you for that, Corey. And uh, again, thank you, Adrian, for the tip uh, about dragging to the left for burst mode, because that is also uh, important. There is one last tip on this, though, and that comes from listener Paul, who kind of blew my mind with this one. And uh, I want to make sure I get it right. So I'm going to pull it up here. But uh, yeah, he says uh, adding to the quick tip. While holding the button to record, um, I'm not always stable. And one time I swiped up and down and found that it affected the zoom of the video. So he says, I tried combining. uh, He says, the only other way I've found to to affect the zoom was to pinch the video once it had started, which you can also do. He says, so I tried combining the two. Once the video had started, I swiped a video momentarily, momentarily pressed to start. Okay, great. So like in normal video mode, Uh, I pressed and held the record button and was able to swipe up and down to one handed zoom in and out while recording a video. Very cool, Paul. I had no idea that you could do one handed
1: zoom. Uh, but, but evidently I I didn't either. I wonder if it actually switches to that telephoto lens itself.
0: Well, well. the way, yeah, it, it, I think the answer is if necessary, the, the phone is, is as I understand it, I didn't write this stuff, folks. Uh, as i understand it though it's it's sort of capturing from all sources all the time and compositing the best version of what you are trying to record and so as you zoom it it adjusts the blend of those things and that's how uh that's how that yeah that's how that works All right, hey, you folks know me. I love getting things done. I love being productive. I love managing projects. I love seeing the progress of things and, of course, the results. It's awesome, but it drives me crazy when I have to be inefficient and jump from tool to tool just to see what everything is doing and how everything is going. If you're like me and this sounds like you, then listen up. Our sponsor, Notion, is an incredible tool that makes it so much easier to make progress on your projects. Project management tools are supposed to help you move faster and stay organized. But if you're jumping between 50 tabs just to do your job, then maybe you haven't found the right tool yet. And again, that's where Notion comes in. And today I'm excited to share that they've just launched Notion Projects, which includes new powerful ways to manage projects and leverage the power of their built-in AI features too. I know it's so cool. Notion Projects combines project management with your docs, your knowledge base and AI, so you can stop jumping between tools and stop paying too much for them too. You get to do this all in one workspace from brainstorming to drafting your launch plans to organizing sprints and keeping everyone on deadline. On top of that, Notion AI helps you automate all that tedious overhead, like summarizing meeting notes or finding next steps. Do your most efficient work with Notion Projects. You can try it for free today at Notion.com slash MacGeekGab. That's all lowercase letters, Notion.com slash MacGeekGab. When you use our link, you're supporting the show, which we love. Go right now to Notion.com slash MacGeekGab and our thanks to Notion Projects for sponsoring this episode. And hey, this summer, our sponsor HelloFresh is here to take the work out of eating well. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. You get to skip those trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. You get farm-to-table quality with every HelloFresh box. HelloFresh's seasonal ingredients are picked at peak ripeness and travel from the farm to your doorstep in less than seven days for fresh flavor in every bite. Sometimes Lisa and I find that we're stuck in a recipe rut. You know, we're making the same thing over and over again. It's good, but you want to change it up, right? With HelloFresh, you can take a bite out of something new with 40 recipes to choose from weekly. With options to please even the pickiest eaters, you'll always find meals everyone at the table will enjoy. We've been loving this and we're going to keep doing it. You can do it too. Go to hellofresh.com slash MGG16 and then use code MGG16 for 16 free meals plus free shipping. Again, that's hellofresh.com slash MGG16 and use code MGG16 for those 16 free meals plus free shipping. And our thanks to HelloFresh for sponsoring this episode. Next up is our sponsor collide with some big news. If you're an Okta user, they can get your entire fleet to a hundred percent compliance. How do they perform this magic? Well, if a device isn't compliant, the user can't log into your cloud apps until they fix the problem. It's that simple. Collide patches. One of the major holes in zero trust architecture, device compliance without Collide. IT struggles to solve basic problems like keeping everyone's OS and browser up to date. Unsecured devices are logging into your company's apps because there's nothing there to stop them. Collide is the only device trust solution that enforces compliance as part of authentication. And it's built to work seamlessly with Okta. Then it's really cool. The moment Collide's agent detects a problem, it alerts the user. And then this is the part I love. It gives them instructions to fix it themselves. so, They're teaching the user right there in the moment what's wrong, what they need to do to fix it. It gets buy-in from everyone. Of course, if they don't fix the problem within a set time, they're blocked. Collide's method means fewer support tickets, less frustration, and most importantly, 100% fleet compliance. Visit Collide.com slash MGG to learn more or book a demo. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash MGG. And our thanks to Collide for sponsoring this episode. All right, Pete, let's do some uh let's do some questions here. We will go we can, do that. we can. We will go to listener Jim, uh, I think, if it wants to come up here. He has a question about his yeah. Wi-Fi. He says, Um, what is I I am facing the daunting task of upgrading my several-year-old Netgear Orbi mesh router satellite. And I have two questions. What's the best choice of mesh system these days? I have a three-floor brick home. And penetrating the brick exterior walls to power security cameras and video doorbells is not simple. I'm currently operating a two station system with Orbi, but I really think that for the size and layout of the house, a three station system is a better option. I'm not a power user, but I do want a system with easy to implement basic security measures. Okay. well, Jim,
1: you're going to have to move. That's right. (laughs) next question.
0: That's right. Next. Yeah. What's the question? (laughs) That's right. I assume you've called a realtor. Uh, (laughs) Number two, what's the easiest way to migrate to the new Wi-Fi system? I have dozens of devices connected, including computers, phones, iPads, Apple TVs, Roku's, light bulbs, switches and who knows what else. I'm assuming the devices have to be added to the new network individually, which will be a lot of work. So any hints on how to make that even a little bit easier and get done faster would be greatly appreciated. I'm not sure if this matters or not, and I appreciate you adding this in, Jim, uh, but I am using Verizon Fios as my ISP, but I only use their router to get the signal into the house I have the Wi-Fi disabled on it and I don't use it to assign IPs or manage the network. OK, so this is that that is an important piece of information. Uh, so I am glad that you uh, threw it in. Starting at the top, my still favorite mesh is Eero. Um, you know, they've been in the game the longest in terms of compu- consumer focused mesh and and wireless mesh. Yes, there are other vendors who have been doing like wired mesh longer. But, uh, but, but Eero, you know, they, they really are the ones that figured out the way to do this for consumers. And they're clearly committed to staying current. And they also have the benefit of working the best in all of my tests. Plume is up there with them. Um, Plume's marketing has changed a little bit and is more focused on, um, you know, like their partnerships with uh, like, like I, ISPs like Comcast and stuff. There's nothing wrong with the hardware. It's just, they, they've changed their marketing a little bit. I think they're, they're sort of going B2B and, and letting their partners do the B2C part, but I think you can still get Plume stuff. And I, I would, I would recommend that too. I like the fact that Eero and Plume are cloud managed. If that's something that you are not comfortable with, then I, I want you to know that. The reason I like the cloud management is because of all the machine learning that gets to happen. They know what works and doesn't work with every type of device. You know, they know that, you know, the Galaxy 10 or whatever needs to be treated this way, whereas the iPhone 14 needs to be treated that way for handoffs and all of that stuff. And having that knowledge constantly sort of pushed to my devices is fantastic. They thus far neither company has had any privacy concerns or issues doesn't mean that they can't uh but i know that the way they've sort of architected things it might be nearly impossible for that to happen so uh so i feel comfortable with it but again i just wanted to share that but there is a benefit to the cloud management my uh close second or third to those two depending on how you want to look at it is tp-link's deco line they are the budget-friendly choice, but it you you are not giving up much for saving some money there. It's like the, there's a net win here. Uh, it is not cloud-managed, which is probably the reason that it's not at the top of my list. But the TP-Link Deco line is fantastic. And then from any of those... Pick the right amount of units. So Jim, for your in your case, it sounds like three is is what you want to go with. And that's that makes sense to me with what you're describing. And then also your preferred, you know, Wi-Fi type. I wouldn't get anything less than Wi-Fi six these days. I'd probably lean towards six E. If you really want to bleeding edge yourself, Wi-Fi seven, fine. Um and, you know, and go from there. You you can always add more units after the fact. You can't change the Wi-Fi type on the existing units you have but like with eero you could have wi-fi six units and then add a wi-fi six e unit and things connected to that would use six e obviously the other ones don't update to six e but uh but yeah there's you know there's there's lots out there and in fact i believe uh it's brian Monroe in our live chat just put a link to the tp link Uh, BE33000, which is, or the Deco BE95, which is their Wi-Fi 7 mesh system. So, but, uh, but yeah, if you, if you want Wi-Fi 7, that's it. So yeah, we'll put links to all this stuff in the show notes, of course. Um, But uh, in terms...
1: Now, before you get to the second part, yeah, I want to alert everybody. If you've slightly tuned out, tune back in. This answer is brilliant. Okay. Seriously. (laughs) It's a great answer. And I wish it had never occurred to me when I was dealing with switching over my Wi-Fi recently. Remember I had the, 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 the name kept logging me off my own wi I'd come mm. home and I, and I wound up having to change it. And if I'd have done this, I think I would have solved some problems <laughs> about getting all my internet of things off and back on the network. And so yeah. I working. So, so pay attention folks.
0: Thank you, Pete. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. Uh, because I think this is the, this is the, the, the key advice here. As Jim points out, as Pete points out, Migrating every device over to your new Wi-Fi network is a pain in the neck and you will forget something. And the thing that even if you don't forget, like there'll be some devices that are super difficult to do this. You'll have to download an app that you don't have on your current phone, all of that stuff. It's an afternoon of headaches in a, on a good week, right? So the, my, my, my answer is don't. Use the same SSI. Set the new system up, whatever you get. Set it up with the same SSID and password that you currently use. And uh, then you just, you know, once you get the new system up, you'll have them both running next to each other. That's fine. It's okay. Your devices will pick one. It doesn't really matter. And then you'll turn off the old system and then your devices will just pick the new one. There might still be a few IoT devices that get confused by this, the, the, the dumb ones that aren't looking at the name but are looking at the MAC address of the hardware, those you will have to reset up. There's really no getting around that. But the vast majority of your devices will just work. This is what I do whenever I um, am testing a new mesh system here, too. I'll set up the new mesh system alongside the existing one. And give it a different name and just test it with my phone. So I'm not like, you know, changing the reliance of my network to the new thing. Test it, move around like, yeah, okay, that's cool. I might add my my personal laptop to it. Yep. okay, Seems to be working. Then I change it to the same name that we use for everything else and all the devices start to join. And then I change the other one. If I don't want to just turn it off, I change it to a different name so that it's, you know, like the old network or something. And it works out great. Uh, It's the way to do it. So that's my advice. My sort of second piece of advice, which is probably too late for every single one of us listening, but I'll share it anyway, is choose your Wi-Fi network name and password carefully, because now you know that you're going to live with it for the rest of your natural life. Right. So, you know, having a Wi-Fi network name is like, you know, that's like, you know, uh, whatever child. or be one, two, three, four, <laughs> five, six, seven, you know, or, or you know, the random names that you get from from Netgear or whatever. I, you might want to change it to something that is about you. And I will also say don't necessarily make it tied to your address. Right. Because if you move houses like Jim's going to have to do, obviously, because, you know, his yeah. Wi-Fi doesn't work. That's what Pete said. Uh, you want your network to make sense at your new house too. So, you know, but keeping the name the same is,
1: is the key in me. Well, I'll so. offer a hint for what I do. My my network name is Sharpie because there was a Sharpie pen laying on the table when <laughs> I was, when I was doing it, right? I, and, I had no idea.
0: I, I knew about your Sharpie network. I had no idea. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. That that's yeah, that's why. how I got it. You know, oh, something awesome. laying around frequently uh, when I'm looking for answers to, I use non secretors for those security questions and answers. You know, what was your first grade teacher's name? Yeah. You know, Panasonic 35. Well, I had a Panasonic TV in front of me and, so, you know, oh. put them up because it all goes into one password. So no one can guess. Yes. What my mother's maiden name was, because I guarantee it's not my mother's maiden name. I can tell you that much. It's something else.
0: It's something else. Yeah. You can't guess it either. You got to store it in one. No, I have to
1: have one password. There's no doubt about it, but that's the beauty of it. And then the other thing I would consider, nothing wrong with it, generally speaking, but maybe not make it personally identifiable. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Dave's or Hamilton's
0: network, you know, something
1: like that. Maybe some inanimate object or something along those lines. Just, just a thought.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, makes I, it I,
1: harder for people in a congested area to know who you are to attack you.
0: That's fair. Yeah, I named my network Dave the Nerd um, years ago because I had to think of something. It was like, well, that's it's you know, it's not tied to an address. It's tied to me, and so it'll be yeah. everywhere I go. I, but you're right that that makes it personally identifiable. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah. Yep. Well, you're also not in a super congested area either. Because, Correct. You know, like an my, apartment building. Or, yeah. You know,
0: but I'm I have saying. gotten texts from like my neighbors. In fact, I have I got a, a message last year or something from a neighbor that's probably a good 500 feet away from us, maybe a little wow. more. And he's like, yeah, you know, I occasionally see your network show up and he knows it's mine because it shows yeah. up as Dave the Nerd. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. So... I don't know if that's good or bad, but it was like, wow, am I really broadcasting that far? It shouldn't. Like, I I don't, I don't I didn't think I was, but who knows? So, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, hopefully, hopefully, there's some advice in there that's helpful for most of us. You want to uh, take us to Terry's Safari
1: issues here, Pete? I will do so at this time. Thanks. Terry wrote in and said, "Look, I tried Google and to find a fix, but I'm stuck. Safari will log me out of my website after I quit Safari, and when I open a new tab and go to a, go to that website, I tried turning off prevent cross site tracking in Safari settings, but that doesn't seem to work. Also, some suggest someone suggested turning off the develop menu in Safari." Which also didn't work. Most suggestions about this problem are from several years ago, and it seems to have been happening for quite some time. First first time for me, though, and it started happening a few days ago, very irritating. Any help would be greatly appreciated. Um, I, I sent some basic troubleshooting tips and then and then got the response uh, back from Terry. He said, thanks for the quick response. Problem solved. So I did a great job. Let's move on, Dave. Amazing. Oh, no, okay. Woo-hoo. All right. Well, no, okay. Achievement unlocked. Uh, all right. <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> problem solved. But with all things computer related, uh, it is still something of a mystery. I did what you asked, reset all defaults, and then turned off the develop menu, quit Safari, and restarted the Mac, and the problem still existed. Okay, so I didn't solve it. Shh. Don't tell anyone. Right. I I decided to uninstall and reinstall Safari. Tried using the app cleaner, didn't have the permissions on Safari to do so. And then I dragged Safari to the trash and it didn't seem to go into the trash, but it immediately relaunched with all the logins and all websites working. (laughs) Some I had to re-sign in and others were already signed in. Yeah, so either trashing Safari or first doing the develop menu thing and then trashing Safari is the solution, at least for me. Again, thanks for the timely response. And what it boils down to uh, Dave's response after reading that was bizarre. I seconded that response. Uh, clearly, he trashed some corrupted or misconfigured file in there. And so
0: I have some ideas, though. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So it, what it sounds like, the what he described is that he is in or his safari, was in private browsing mode. Like that is what will happen. You can log into things, but it, when, when you quit or close the browser window, like, or even the tab, that's it, right? You're done. For privacy
1: reasons, you've asked it to do exactly. You asked
0: it to do that. And therefore it did it. I'm going to assume, but I could be wrong that he was not in, you know, perma private, private browsing mode. But some people are like, I've watched my wife on her iPhone, uh, for months, I think she was in private browsing mode, she, you know, because you get you switch to that mode. And then on, on your Mac, you might quit Safari sometimes on your phone. You never do. And so it just yeah. stays in whatever mode you're in. She's like, oh, this sucks. I just have to log in again. I'm like, wait. like it, And I could tell because I'm used to the way Safari looks on my phone. I'm like, you're in private browsing mode. Like I could see the color difference or you know, whatever yeah. it was, whatever visual indicator. And she's like, oh, that makes perfect sense. And she had like 40 tabs open in private browsing, right? Because that's where there was opening tabs. Oh. Right. So it's possible he was stuck in private browsing mode and that was this. But let's presume, at least for the sake of our discussion here and for troubleshooting, that he was not. What is private browsing mode? Private browsing is effectively a sandbox thing where it doesn't remember your cookies or your history, right? Um But let's focus on the cookies because the cookies are the the crux of this here. Well, if we go into Safari settings, privacy, there is a checkbox where we can say block all cookies. It's possible that was checked here and was keeping Safari. Well, Safari was doing exactly what it was told. Do not save any cookies, which means when you come back, you know, it'll it'll start a session it's a cookie, but it's not that kind of cookie. It'll start a session identifier where the browser and the the website sort of say, "Yep, we know." Even though there's new pages being loaded, this is all the same session. You're logged in. You're good. Uh, but that session cookie goes away when you close a window, like even in a a normal browsing window, even with everything yeah. set right. Session cookies go away. So, as browser, in order for you to stay logged in, has to store a real cookie. A persistent cookie, and and of course, if you've got that box checked, it cannot. So I I think it was that or something like that.
1: Interesting. I I didn't wander down that path because I assumed that when you block all cookies, you really break stuff.
0: No, it would as break this how the
1: website works it breaks this. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. But I would think other things wouldn't work either. But but now, yeah, no, I see how you get a, a different a session cookie, a session cookie. So, yeah, know, the, the session, session cookies away. still yeah. happen.
0: Yeah, because yeah, you yeah. can go into private browsing mode and log into Amazon or like I use it constantly because I don't have profiles yet in in uh, Safari. Safari. We talked about that, right? That's coming in, in the fall. But uh, yeah, I'll use it all the time if it's like I need to go into like our Amazon affiliate account, which is different from my regular Amazon account. and I don't want to log in or if I have to log into a Google account that I can't add to my list that's already logged in. It's just like, oh, fire up private browsing. I have one password like it's not that big of a deal to log in. And so I log in and I'm good to go. The other thing and I have. I don't experience this with the consistency that some of you do, but we've had this conversation if you have the Develop menu open and you go to the, um, I want to see with the Web Inspector, uh, which is done with Command Option I, uh, to see the way the page is built. Sometimes, and for some people, all the times are sometimes, it will wipe out your login cookies for many, if not all, of your websites. I have not experienced this with the degree that some people have, but but some people are like, oh yeah, every time I open the web inspector, I know that it's going to blow away my login cookies, my persistent cookies for that site. And I'm going to have to log in again the next time I relaunch Safari. So bear bear in mind that even with Safari. So you're saying I
1: shouldn't have done that on well, the show notes page. <laughs> um, I don't know, Pete.
0: You're about to find, we'll find out. out. Yeah, man. Yep. I, I love that. This is what this I like I I, I hope <laughs> I think you will. I hope you take this the right way. But this is one of the things I love about you is you yeah. you will shoot first and ask questions later with with tech stuff on your computer. And sometimes it, it really burns you and, and sometimes yeah. it burns both of us simultaneously. This is true. Uh, but but I'm like, not afraid to break stuff. You're not afraid you know, to break stuff. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: That's it. I love it. It's great. Yeah. And and yeah. I always learn things, you know, I'll mention something offhandedly folks, right? Like, you know, like, oh yeah, you know, there's the Safari web inspector and I won't add in, but you know, you obviously you would only use that if you knew uh, the implications thereof and how it might work and break things. I mean, the Safari web inspector doesn't really break things, but it's it's time
1: you might want to say before you open, (laughs) before you
0: right. And, and then three days later, Pete will text me or call me and be like, Dave, I don't know what I did. But none of this stuff works. And I have to go back through my memory. Like, what did I share with Pete that might have been <laughs> out of context uh, taken down this path? It's like, oh, hey, did you <sighs> open Web Inspector? It's like, yeah. It's like, oh, okay. But then, like, stuff comes into the show for that. So it's great.
1: Yeah, we know. That's yeah. How,
0: yeah, it's good, man. I, 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 I mean, the whole reason we started including you in the show was because of this, right? Like, you... Yeah. you're curious about the stuff you want to learn you ask questions you know before we had the live yeah. chat you were the real-time representative of a listener guy. you were the guy <laughs> right <laughs> yeah exactly
1: i know a gay and you now know, i am the guy and pete's the guy
0: <laughs> no it's it, it, yeah. i think it makes the show a lot better yeah yeah that's great
1: well, thank you
0: yeah all right we have uh gopher tech in our uh uh Discord, which I've mentioned a few yeah. times, says my sister is receiving pop-up notifications on her Mac and wants to stop them. She ran malware bytes, and that it didn't help. So I asked for some screenshots of these things, and they look pretty much. I am almost certain that these are notifications from a website. You know, you can t- websites can ask oh, you yep, yep. to let you notify them and uh, to let them notify you rather. And uh, and usually those would be notifications you'd want to get. But this website uses an icon that looks a whole lot like a system settings icon. And the notifications that come through are your iCloud is being hacked. Click here to remove the virus. Mac OS is infected. Click here to turn on antivirus, right? Like and, and of that's course
1: so, that's so rude.
0: Right? Yeah. And when you click that notification, it brings you to the website. The problem is you've granted permission for that notification, so it's not malware. It's just like like social engineering. Conware. There. It's conware. conware. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah.
1: title, Dave. <laughs> it's
0: conware. Yes, beware you've conware. Been con. You've been conned. There's a great yeah. bitter pill song called conned. Mm. Uh beware uh, the conware. Uh
1: I love it. What's the uh, so. company that used to do that? They they were horrible about that. It was the other one. It was like and they were pretty good software. It was about mm. cleaning up your Mac and fixing it and Mac, all that. But Mac their advertising Keeper.
0: Mac Keeper's Mac advertising Keeper. yeah. is terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Trash. yeah. I have told the story on this show about why yeah. they did that. They they were um uh, to, to to really distill it down. Overnight someone posted to like 800,000 forums on the internet. Uh, because I don't know where else it would have been. I I didn't need to add that Uh, posted to like 800,000 forums, like slamming Mac keeper. They were doing great uh, up till that point. Uh, It just so happened. That was at the the same day that one of their competition launched clean my Mac. No one has told me that it was the folks at one that did the other, but I mean, they, they, the two companies were started together. The person who started clean my Mac
1: worked Uh... for,
0: I believe the person who started Mac Keeper and then oh, okay. then this happened. So, like, I'm just sharing facts. What with a you. dink! Maybe a coincidence. <laughs> I don't know. And it really, like, trashed Mac Keeper's reputation. And they, they were in a corner and they were like, well, at this point, we can't, our reputation can't go down. And so they thought we just need to advertise the crap out of this thing any way we can. And so they did all the pop under and like all the things that they swore they would never do because it was terrible. They're like, well, now we can do them because our rip isn't going to get any worse. And uh, and so they did. So um, interesting. Yeah, that's that's that story. However, back to this. Back to the Conware. (laughs) Yes. The um, to turn off these notifications, go into Safari settings, websites notifications and look down the list. You'll see if you're like me, you'll have a long list there of websites. Some of them will be listed as deny and others will be listed as allow. Uh, These are websites where you've already been asked for your decision and, and chosen one way or another. In this case, look at the ones that are listed for allow and you're in good shape that that I, I i guarantee you you'll find one, you'll find this one there yeah yeah
1: i i hate allowing notifications i've got one site and it's drive.google that's it that's it
0: that's all yeah I
1: let notify me yeah yeah
0: yeah i yeah, don't yeah. want
1: your notifications i'll go get the information I
0: need. yeah right yeah exactly but so, that's the that, that's that's the key is is take a look in there in safari and
1: I I'm, What a crappy thing to do though to yep. make it look like system information I know uh, pop ups. Yep. Yeah. I wish
0: these people would use their powers for
1: good. Right?
0: Right? Like Well, you well know, they,
1: they consider it good for them.
0: If but, you're smart yeah, enough to do that, do something that but this is a short term play, right? Like yeah. why not provide long term value for people? I don't know. That's the
1: that's my thing. Yeah. So
0: Yelper, uh you want to take us to Todd?
1: I, I can do so at this time. Sure, uh, Todd's got a question about eSIMs. Here we go. So Todd writes in, where would it go? Uh, I'm getting. Where did I? Have, I'll
0: ask okay. the question. You answer it.
1: Yeah. How about we do that? Yeah. Sure. So Todd <laughs>
0: is traveling somewhere. It almost doesn't matter, and is wonder. It needs out of the country, out of the U.S., and is going to be using an eSIM uh, for data on his phone. The question is. Can an eSIM be used for – can the data from an eSIM be used uh, as a personal hotspot? Uh, can you tether your computer or other devices to it, or is that not allowed with the eSIM?
1: Right. And so he asked about DB specifically, E-S-I-M, Delta Bravo – um which is just a search
0: is, engine for for eSIMs right, for right?
1: finding for finding a deal to get to get yeah. your data it's the right and way so, to go by the way yeah <laughs> yeah 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 and so i told him i said look if this is where you wind up then yes it took me to Moby matter uh which is just one of the deals you can find out there for international uh data and uh, right there on mobi matters matter site let's say that three times fast can i use tethering mobile hotspot tethering on my eSIM. And they say, yes, mobile hotspot is featured and enabled in all of our products, except if explicitly mentioned in the product details. And so that's the thing. Go to go to that one and, and look and search for either hotspot or tethering, and, and it's most certainly going to be there somewhere in the description. And the reason I couldn't find it, it was on the second page of the PDF because mail prints not in the order yes, sir. that it occurred, but in reverse. So my apologies for stumbling <laughs>
0: No, it works. Yeah, it's totally fine. Looking, where'd it go? Oh where'd yeah. It look it go? What page? happened? What happened? Yeah, no, it, I have, I have bought a lot of e-sims over the last couple of years and I'm about to buy one probably today because we're going yeah. to Montreal for a few days, um, with our niece. And, uh, I've I've found that all of them I mean with an eSIM you're just buying data and and so they don't care how you use it up when you use it up what's going to happen you're going to need to buy more data from them so they are every one of them that I've used has been more perfectly than happy. happy to let me use it as a hotspot the only there there had there was one I didn't buy it but there was one that like in Europe I almost bought – it was going to be, like, 13 gigs for 10 days, which was perfect for us and way more data than I needed. But the price was right. and But then as I looked in, it was like, okay, well, 5 gigs is for, like, any
1: type of data.
0: And then 8 gigs was for, like, WhatsApp and and messaging apps. I was like, oh, that's weird. Now, I mean, I wouldn't use 5 gigs traveling for 10 days in Europe anyway. So, like, it was almost like – Kind of like interesting because at least that stuff just doesn't count against my five, is really the way I was looking at it. Yeah. But, but, and that only the five gigs was accessible to the hotspot, not the full 13. But, um, I, but I, I you know, it was like that, that made sense because that one had, you know, it was compartmentalized. So, uh, but right. yeah, otherwise, yeah, they, yeah. every one of them's been like, yeah. I used uh, a and- hotspot in the car yesterday to prep this. We were moving our son into his new apartment. And he's about, two hours away on the other side of the state. And so we drove a van over with some stuff for him and then drove the van back.
1: And live living way out West by Vermont.
0: By by Vermont. That's right. <laughs> yeah. As my friends in Texas used to pronounce it, Vermont, you live near Vermont. Um, but uh, I was like, man, if I don't prep the show this morning, like while we're driving, I'm going to be up till two in the morning doing it. And I was like, least do you mind taking the first shift? She's like, no, no problem. So I tethered to my phone uh, just using Mint Mobile. I didn't have an eSIM, you know, and uh, I was on for about an hour and a half prepping the show. And I used just shy of 400 megs and was I did put it. I will share this. I put once I connected to my hotspot on my phone, I went on my Mac into Wi-Fi settings and into the detail. Like I went into system settings. Wi-Fi, I chose the details button next to my hotspot that I was already connected to. And at that point, I was able to check the box for low data
1: modes. Low data mode,
0: yep. But when yeah. I, I disconnected later and then reconnected, low data mode was turned off again. So I, had, I, I don't know if I have to do it every time, but I certainly had to do it the second time. So bear that okay. in mind. And it did not matter that I already had low data mode on, on my phone. Like the Mac doesn't know to inherit that setting. So you have to go yeah. do it on your Mac. I think, I mean, I, I, I didn't, I didn't AB test this, but.
1: Well, you have to do it on your phone too. If you don't want to use up your data quickly, Correct. like for instance, you know, my wife and son are flying to Europe tonight. I'm going to meet them in Europe tomorrow. Yeah. And so, because I'm not there to set up an eSIM for them, I went, all right, you know, I'll just. Suck it up and get the mint mobile, which works sure. out to two hundred dollars a gigabyte. <laughs> yeah, don't <laughs> yeah. don't do that, so, folks. You know, so yeah. I got them basically I I gave them each twenty bucks, a hundred megabytes, but I was I was very clear to say put your phone in the low data mode when yeah. you turn it on in Europe, because if you don't, your hundred megabytes is gonna be gone in a snap. Yep. It's and, probably gonna
0: be gone yeah. in a snap anyway, Pete, but
1: well, there's that, but yep. yeah, it's just so that mail isn't checking in the background and yes. all that stuff. If, if, you know, whatever's in the foreground is what you're, what's using data.
0: So, yes. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. That basically so, that's right. Yeah, yeah. But
1: they wanted to be able to text me and say, yeah, we're here. We're there. We're moving. You know, we've got train tickets. We didn't get train tickets. Whatever. Yeah. So I'm yeah. So, oh, sorry. I hit the table. Uh, but that's was, uh, yeah. So, but you it's can- certainly better to go to D B and get your data and put an eSIM on your phone than not. Because it, yeah, it, it's just so much cheaper, and and that brings me to one other quick question. Now I've got the twelve, Dave. It looks like I can add a second eSIM, even though I have a physical SIM and an eSIM in my phone. It, it, is it fooling me? Nope you you are correct. Okay. so I okay. I've just went through this with my niece
0: who is okay. on Mint. Uh, she had when she moved to Mint, we just did it as an eSIM because it was the, mm-hmm. obviously the easiest thing. So she has a, she has nothing in the SIM tray, uh, but has an eSIM for mint. Mm -hmm. And then I knew we were going to be going to Canada and she's, she's going to be in Greece in the fall and obviously going to use an eSIM for that. We could add and, and did a a second eSIM for her Canada for what, you know, for our our week in Canada here that we've got coming up But with the 12, you can only have one eSIM active at a time. Okay. Okay. So the 12 and earlier, in terms of the ones that support eSIMs, and not every iPhone does. I think it's the 10R and forward. Um, but the, for the phones that support eSIMs that have a physical SIM tray, the 12 and earlier, one if you can have one eSIM and one physical SIM active. That's the only way okay. to have two SIMs active. Okay. The 13 has a SIM tray and an eSIM capability. With the 13, you can have two eSIMs active or one eSIM and one, um, uh, uh, uh what okay. call it? But but you can load yeah. uh, one physical SIM, but There's, you can there. load up many eSIMs. Apple says it's about ten. They're they're wow. a little less specific than I would like them to be in some of the marketing I've seen about it. But yeah, you can load up e- multiple eSIMs, but on your phone, Pete, the 12, you can only have one sure. active. So for that reason, we moved our niece over. We paid the 10 bucks to get a sim from Mint, even though I had a drawer full of mint unused mint sims. They're like, yeah, none of those are gonna work. So we paid the 10 bucks. Mint sent us yet another new sim, and we moved her mint plan over to the physical sim in that phone. And that way she can use her she can use them both at the same time if she needs to and makes life easier. Yeah. Another piece of advice I will give um, hearing you tell your story. I believe I have buffered myself uh, against finding myself in that position because I know how it goes. I'm the nerd in the house. Uh, and so I'm the one that does all the these like nerdy little one off things right for people on their devices. Like, ah, oh, you're not going to need to know how to do this with the whole eSIM thing. I realized they might need to know how to do this. So I have never set up an E-SIM for anyone in my family. I'll I'll buy it and I'll send it to their phone. And then have them install it, so that if I find myself in the position you're in, I can say, "Oh, I'm just going to send you some eSIMs. Turn these on when you get to Europe. You've done it four times before, and you know there's a good chance they'll they'll succeed."
1: Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's a good point. And maybe we can do it when we get there. But
0: uh, yeah, I was going to say, why not do it when you get there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. And and then one other quick thing, just so you know, if you're on Mint, I'm the family head there in my Mint family. I can't put money on my wife's phone without logging into her phone account. What I was, Correct. I was on with chat support last night Correct. and they're like, all right, if you buy it, we'll transfer it over to her phone, but that's not how it works and we don't do that generally. Yeah. And, yeah. And so I, 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 managed to get onto one account. I created an account for my wife and then I had them transfer them one to my son. And sure. so they both got it, but, but yeah, they need to have some autonomy you yes. can't do everything for them. <laughs> you can't.
0: No, that's right. Yeah. No. It's it's better to uh, better to you know yeah. t- teach someone to fish than it is to give them a fish, right? Like the whole right.
1: Yip, exactly. Yep. So,
0: all right. Exactly. Uh, we've got a few minutes left. I want to jump us yeah. to cool stuffs found, Pete. Ooh, ooh,
1: ooh. Okay. I, I please, please, please. Go. I, I want to take um, it. I take wanna us where you want to go, uh, 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 Steve. Go. All right, Steve. Steve. Steve wrote in and said. Uh, uh according to apple uh, no that was me uh it <laughs> seems to seem to having a few issues with my mac legally specs attached i email, emailed previously some disc repair issues the ssd ended up uh doing a nuke and pave okay i'm on to the next one unsure if this issue is related but i've noticed over the past few months my so, mac slow is down hot
0: to slow the down re, re, yeah right. re, yeah slow down at this point my,
1: yeah yeah my mac is hot to the touch whilst it's sleeping this only seems to happen when it's plugged into the power supply uh, and i don't remember this ever being the case on previous macs i was convinced the machine wasn't actually sleeping was some forcing it to, something forcing it to stay awake but a terminal command found that os10 uh, daily would suggest that it is in fact sleeping properly uh, i also tried an smc uh, reset the other day. However, it's hard to tell when it actually was reset or not. Is there any way to tell if an SMC reset worked, or is there anything else you could suggest that's causing it uh, to heat up in its sleep? So, uh, and that's when I wrote. And, and, and don't Stack don't feel exchange, the need to rush through this, Pete. We're we're okay.
0: We're, we're going to give this. Okay. We gave everything the time it deserves, and it's fine.
1: Right. Yep. So I, I wrote back this. I answered the second question first, according to apple.stackexchange.com an SMC or PRAM reset will invoke the boot chime uh, to activate it or become louder. Also try the verbose mode command V and look for the reset message. Yeah. And now on to the second question about it being hot. All right. If, if Steve's name was Molly, I'd say Molly, this.
0: You in danger, girl. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but his name is not Molly. Uh, I, steve i I could be wrong and I hope I am um i, I think there's something wrong real wrong with your battery yeah um, I'm concerned that that your uh the system the logic that's causing the battery to charge or not charge or or whatever is in there there's either something physically wrong with the battery or something wrong with the system that that manages battery charging and I'm concerned you're looking at a potential fire hazard Get that thing to Apple or a, a certified Apple repair specialist and get it looked at. Um, it, it should not be getting hot. And when these batteries go hot, they burn down houses and airliners and all kinds of things. So, so please get that looked at.
0: Yeah, I I, I agree. It shouldn't like it, it will warm up when it's yeah. charging for sure. But if it's hot to the touch and there's no external reason for, I mean, if you wrap it in a blanket and put it on charge, it's gonna get then it's gonna heat up it's gonna heat up right but assuming that there is no obvious reason for that to be happening I I agree and resetting the SMC is absolutely the first thing I would do and and I'd reset the PRAM as well uh assuming it's it's an Intel Mac and I think it is an Intel Mac yeah Yeah.
1: he said it was Yeah.
0: yeah um doing that and then seeing if that behavior continues would would be the first step. But after that, man, yeah I like it, it get it looked at if it's if it's if it's still hot to the touch that hot to the touch is is that's pretty darn hot so yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. no that, that that was good i'm i totally happy to take the time with that one it's great i
1: yeah, like taking I just,
0: the time with all of these i just we run well, out because
1: you know i just that's one i just went mm, yeah. that's that's time sensitive it <laughs> is it time sensitive absolutely <laughs> yep so, yep
0: we were talking okay. about um chi Mice. My wife w- was saying it's weird that Apple doesn't have. That's
1: a, the Qi thing I was asking
0: about. Have a, a cheap. Yeah, my wife was like, this is stupid that there's Apple doesn't have a like a a, a mouse that charges on a cheap pad. Why? Like that seems obvious to me. It's like, oh, yeah. Are there any? And in Discord, uh listener John said, as long as you don't mind the money, you can get the Logitech Power Play G, I believe is what it's called. The Logitech G Power Play system. Uh it works with their gaming mice and select others and the entire mouse pad becomes your charging pad. So thank you for sharing that, John. If anybody else knows of any chi uh chargeable mice, uh, that would also be interesting. So I think we would all appreciate hearing about that. It's uh feedback at MacGeekab.com.
1: Whoa, whoa. Feedback
0: at MacGeekab.com. That's what I said, Pete. Feedback at MacGeekCab dot com. Yeah.
1: All right. Yep. Well, that was my confusion earlier when I was asking about Qi remote. Ah, it was the Qi mouse. I knew Qi I had mouse. seen something about a Qi charging device. Yeah, it was the Qi mouse. Well,
0: while we're on the subject of Qi stuff, I had an opportunity to check out the Zen's Liberty, which is a kind of like an air. It's the like the the uh, the air power pad that never made it to our worlds, and Amazon's got it for one hundred and sixty nine bucks, at least as of the time that we're recording. It's got 16 coils in it and it's just, it's a, you know, it's a big pad, maybe, I don't know, eight inches by four inches or something. And you just put your stuff down on your phone, your AirPods, whatever, and it charges. They've got a little plug in for an Apple watch that sort of sits up and behind it. If uh, so, you can't just lay your watch on it like Apple promised with AirPower, but uh, of course, air power never could exist. So you just hang your watch on this thing and on a, on a little watch puck and you're good to go. Um, and it, they've what, what I like about it, other than the fact that it works, is that you can get it in with a black surface or you can get it with a clear surface and even see the coils through it, which I kind of yeah. like. I mean, it's nerdy, yeah. right? But I mean, hey, hi, have we met?
1: I'm, it's like I'm a, nerd. a watch with a, with the clear face. You can watch the gears. Going you watch
0: around, the right? gears. Of course you, if you see things moving in there or if you see sparks happening, it's the unplug it and walk no. away. But well, I, I, that. I, I have not like, <laughs> I don't mean to, I don't, I don't want to say something untrue about this product. I it's been, it's worked fine for me. But uh, mm. if you see things moving in there, they are not supposed to, unlike a watch where you, you know, you get the
1: the, that's the a good idea. Deep. Apple, are you listening? That's a good idea for an Apple watch face.
0: I think faux somebody made move. one.
1: Well, I know there's one that, you know, like your phone, you can see where yeah, things are but in the, can't see you know, movement, the, right. the battery you know, there's no movement. It'd be cool to have faux gears moving in there.
0: Right. I would like that. I don't know how many other people would. Uh, a lot of people would like huh? it. Let's be, let's yeah. be frank about it. But people yeah. would think there would be those folks out there. who would be like, oh no, the Apple watch is mechanical. You can see the thing. <laughs> like, um, okay. See? Yeah. Right there. Right through the glass. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Right through the glass. You know what? Yeah. If, if, yeah. Sure. Why not? You believe me, don't you? Yeah. Speaking (laughs) of seeing things, PC Unix in our Discord shared this idea of using stick-on battery-powered motion sensor lights inside of a variety of things, uh, like, you know, inside of cabinets Mm. and uh, a bunch of other things. What did he say? He says, I put motion sensing lights in all our kitchen and bathroom cabinets. Everyone who has opened one since then immediately loves having them. I recharge them monthly, whether they need it or not. And there's tons of these available on Amazon. I was looking, you know, I found a six pack for 12 bucks. Like it, there's 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 just tons of them out there, um, and you just stick them in. I, uh, I some of these will say that you know the battery's going to last for three months. They they use like um, three three triple A's or the ones that I found. Um, and you can buy yeah. you can buy rechargeable triple A's. So yeah, that would be kind of the thing. Is just look at what the what the battery types are, and of course the form factor. But yeah, I'm thinking about this in in our kitchen cabinets, and uh, I think yeah, might, I might be shared nice.
1: that one. I think several months back, that was the little light bar that was motion sensitive. Yes, I got at CES. it. Yes, I think it was the Yi light. But, yeah, um, exactly. Yep. Uh, at, the cool thing about that one, and I don't see it on this one or not, is you. I actually. Glue double sided tape, whatever it is, yeah, a little metal piece uh, to the top of the to the bottom of the shelf, sure, and that way it magnetically sticks on. Yep, so that's how it's easy to pull off and charge. I it looks like these might be the same, yeah, yeah, they magnetically hold themselves.
0: um, like themselves. yeah, yeah. yeah. it's so nice to have. I think that that's right, plate. yeah, yeah, I think you're right, Yep. So. yep. Uh, for oh, just looking at the time for the home kit. Uh, folks here the eve weather is a a great little sensor you put it outside it's 70 bucks put it outside it gives you your it's essentially a a wi-fi connected weather station for temperature humidity barometric pressure and use using the historical data that it pulls in in the eve app it could start even doing some sort of predictions and things like that, which is which is pretty cool. It's IPX4 water resistant, completely wireless. I've now got one outside. One nice part about it is, in addition to sending all the data to your home kit system, it also has a display on it so you get to see the temperature and humidity while you're outside, which is kind of nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. it's,
1: um, it's pretty Very good cool. So, yeah, another argument for HomeKit.
0: It is another argument for HomeKit. Yeah. Now I want to figure out, can I get the data from that and and like use it in my non HomeKit stuff? I will. We'll see. We'll see if I can get there. One last one. Speaking of the non uh, HomeKit stuff, listener John, I believe it might have been Porthos John. I got to I got to look in the, the notes here. But listener John, I have it listed as John, suggested, yeah, it was, oh no, yeah, it was Porthos John. He says, uh, the brilliant uh, smart home control system with switches and screens is it links with HomeKit, but also talks to things that are not HomeKit. And so you would use these uh, to control your devices. He says it links with Sonos. Um, It's the only in-wall wired switch uh John says, he says, uh, it's the only wind wall wired switch that I've found where you can set the switch part to be virtual for Hue equipment. For example, I can sw- set the switch to be always on for power and then let the actual slider or switch control the attached bulbs via Hue command instead of actually cutting power, which of course takes the Hue bulb off of Wi Fi. So I'd never heard of this brilliant system before, but if I might uh, be forgiven, it seems kind of brilliant. So yeah, I, yeah, I like I <laughs> I need to learn more about this. If anybody out there has used it, let us know either feedback at macykeb or join macykeb slash discord because like this seems like the right kind of switches to put in where it's already working with like I said HomeKit, Sonos, yeah. uh the the A Lady, the Google thing, Smart Things, Hue, Schlage Ring, QuickSet, EcoBee. Residio, Honeywell Genie, like they've got a bunch of partners here. So, yeah. yeah. Do you see a price point on that, Dave? Uh, I, you know, I was just going to jump to this. They've got a bundle uh two okay. switches mm. and a panel starter Ooh. bundle.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Those well, are not free. No, they're not but free. What they do. <laughs>
0: but what they but it's like it, it's like 560 bucks uh or 530 bucks for a one switch and a starter panel. You, so you get the one switch panel starter bundle has, for $530 has three switches and a, like a panel that's a display um, that yeah. you can kind of like, it's almost like an iPhone on the wall in a, se- I don't mean to say you're yeah. putting your phone on the wall, but it's that size of a display. It sort of looks like that. And then you can um, touch yeah. the
1: various things you touch the various throughout th- the home. You yeah. Know, yeah. So, so,
0: that's- so it's really like, it's not, you know. And you could add more dimmer switches, I presume. Yeah, you can. You can. Um, yep. Dimmer a dimmer switch itself is seventy bucks. A three pack of dimmer switches is one hundred and ninety. A ten pack is six hundred bucks. So you know you get one of these. You got to have the controller, um, and then you know these things sort of sure. all feed from it. So I think of the controller as a, a hub that lives on the wall, and you can actually interact with. So like not not. Not it's certainly not inexpensive, but for what you're getting, it seems like a a pretty um, nice. Pretty cool thing. Yeah, up. I'm I'm kind of I'm I want to learn more about this stuff. Um while we're here, I I, I might as well talk about the next thing cuz I used it in the car yesterday. Uh you know, we rented this van from U-Haul. It won't surprise you that this did not have CarPlay. Uh <laughs> There's a lot of cars out there without CarPlay. The van was actually kind of nice, but um the uh it didn't have car play, but I knew we needed to have like directions and stuff, and we wanted to charge our phones because we were gonna be there all day and like doing stuff. And so I had the IOTI Velux mini Magsafe air vent mount for car uh for the car, and it's fantastic. I it's a um mag connector you know mount that fits on the vent so it's the vent right to MagSafe, and then it plugs into usbc so i i or, you know power delivery and so i i put a little power delivery thing in the power outlet on the on the van and it was good to go charged well lisa's phone while she was driving and i was computing and then my phone on the way home and uh 45 bucks it just popped right in if your car doesn't have uh well, if you don't have to plug in for CarPlay, which would sort of negate the need for something like this. But if you if you need to see your screen, if you want a MagSafe in the car, I I, I love this thing yesterday. This was it was great. So nice. More cool stuff found. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I It's probably something that I will travel with um, just in case I wind up renting a car without CarPlay. Like having this would be, you know, a, right. a built in way, because when I don't have CarPlay in a rental car, which. They all should by, by now, but, but some of them just don't, when I don't have car playing a rental car, I need to see my phone screen. Like I'm going to use it. If I'm in, if I'm renting a car, I'm in a city. I don't know as well as home. I'm going to be using it for maps and I need to be able to see my screen. This solves all my problems. It lets me see the the phone screen. It lets me charge the phone, like all of that stuff. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan. Yeah. Yep. So, and that's the. IATI, I O T T I E Velox V E L O X Mini. Of course, there's a link in the show notes because that's how we do it here. We try to, you know, we try to help out. That's what I got, Pete. You got anything else, Dave? It
1: sounds like you invited the band this week.
0: I did invite the band. I always invite the band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah
1: it you know, it's fine. It's fine. It is You're nice weather. It, to <laughs> what's that? You aren't compressing them this time, are you? No, I'm not compressing (laughs) them this time. Yeah, I had the wrong thing about them before. You're right. Pre-show.
0: Yep, pre-show. Yeah, yep. yep. Uh, It wasn't compression. I was running them through that. I had the the music running through the the isotope voice thing that that does great on voice. It obviously doesn't do great on music. You know, it could. Like, there is a thing. There's a switch where you can set it for spoken word versus music. It just was set for spoken word. I think I used it. Last week when we played that audio comment, it was a mess audio-wise. Like, the sound quality was a mess, okay. and so I kicked that in quick to, to try, and, and I left it on. So, Oh, well. It's gone now. Thanks for hanging out with us, folks. Thanks for sending in all your quick tips and cool stuff found and everything. It's, it's, the interaction is, like, it's what keeps this show going. We love it. We love it. We love it. Thanks to Cashfly for providing all the bandwidth to get the show from us to yeah. you. Um, make sure you follow us on Mastodon. It's gotten fun over there. Uh, I put links in the show notes because there's no way to just say we're like, at MacGeekGab at MSTDN.social. Like, I could say that, and it's true. But you don't want to have to remember that. Just go to the show notes. Click on the links. Once you find the link to one of us, there's me, Pete, and, and the show. Once you find the link, we cross-link to the others, and so it makes life easy, and you can just, you know, you're good to go. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's been fun over there. So come hang out yeah, with
1: us. I'm still new to, I'm still new to Mastodon. I think to get a good client. Do you have a good point? I like you Mona,
0: like? the one I talked about Mona. in the show. Mona, I'll yep. put a link in the show. Oh, right, right,
1: right. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For
0: sure. Yes. Uh, please check out our sponsors. Of course, MacGeekUp.com slash sponsors, the ones we mentioned in the show. HelloFresh.com slash MGG16. Notion.com slash Collide.com slash MGG. Pete, what else do you have to say? There's got to be something.
1: Don't get caught slash MGG. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Made <of Mac. laughs> Later.